Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your mercy that is new for us every morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God who speaks. You have spoken so that we might know you. And Lord, we pray now that you would open our hearts and our minds to you now, and we pray you would open your word to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. The Avid brothers sing a song called Down with the Shine. And the chorus goes like this. Down with the shine, the perfect shine, that ruins the well, poisons the well, and ruins my mind. I get took for a ride every time, down with the glistening shine. It's a beautiful song, and it perfectly describes our addiction uh, to the external, our obsession with the way things look on the outside, the shine. We love the shine. We think things are better when they are shiny, right? When they look good on the outside. And in this way, we are just like the crab, Tamatoa, from the movie Moana. And uh, I know you've all seen it because you all have girls like I do, and you watch Disney movies all the time like I do. And so you know Tamatoa. And uh, he sings in a very Bowie-esque way about his shininess. He says, I am so shiny. Watch me dazzle like a diamond in the rough. Strut my stuff. My stuff is so shiny. It's a great song. Go listen to it and watch it. It's a great movie with great music. I have it completely memorized because I've seen it now 237 times. But um, anyway, we are just like Tamatoa, all right? You may think it sounds simplistic, and you're right, it does. But this is exactly how we think. This is our uh, worldview as humans, We don't want to be drab little crabs. We want to be shiny so that we can strut our stuff and be admired and desired. And uh, in many ways, we're like fish, all right? So you can ask any advertiser or marketer out there, and they will tell you that all they are doing is fishing. They just need to show you how their product is shiny and how it's going to make you look more shiny. You know, it's going to make you look better on the outside. You're going to be more attractive if you have this. It's going to make your life better. And so we will bite. We will want that thing, and we will chase after it until we can get it. Our entire economy is built on this. It's a consumeristic-based economy, this premise that uh, we will go after the things that we think uh, are shiny. And we do it to each other, too. We don't need the help of the advertisers. If you uh, have been on a date lately, if you've been in the dating world, then you know what I'm talking about, right? You gotta be shiny, you gotta look good. Or just go onto social media. Everybody on social media is very shiny and good looking. That we put out the best, right? Uh, Or go to the beach. They just opened up recently, they reopened. Uh, Our family took a walk on Isle of Palms on Mother's Day just to get outside and do some healthy social distancing on the beach. And we went for a walk, and that's all we saw. We saw people strutting their stuff, trying to show that their stuff was shiny, right? They're saying, look at me, fishing for attention. Look at me, I look good, right? Don't you want me? That's what we're doing. We're putting on a show for each other. And this is why the Avett brothers wrote their song, Down with the Shine, the perfect shine. It poisons the well and ruins my mind. I get took for a ride every time, down with the glistening shine. It's because the Avits know Jesus, and that's actually true. They're Christians. Jesus 
sings today in our passage, Down with the Shine. He knows our obsession. He knows uh, how it poisons the well and how it ruins our minds. So he spends the vast majority of his ministry on earth railing against it and exposing our obsession with the external and revealing how it is exactly the opposite of what he's about. This passage today in our gospel uh, reading is often titled, The Sinful Woman Forgiven. And I think it should be called, The Sinful Man Exposed. Simon, our Pharisee, is in the Tamatoa camp, okay? He is all about the shine, and therefore he represents all of us in our default setting. He thinks how you look and how you behave is what is most important. And we can infer from our passage that Simon has been very successful at this. He's good at keeping his stuff shiny. He is a Pharisee, which means he is basically a professional at having his life together, right? He does the right things, he says the right things, he wears the right things, etc., etc., etc. It's much like the way that many of us in the church try to live our lives. And contrast that with the woman. Luke describes her as a woman of the city who was a sinner. Translate, she was a prostitute. I've been talking a lot about prostitutes this week. It's very strange. It was in my meditation earlier this week, and our life group last night was talking about them, so it's just been one of those weeks. But um, everybody knew about this woman. She had a reputation. She was one of those girls that your mom warned you about, right, when you were a teenager. You know, you don't want to hang out with her. You don't want to date her because then people might start talking. They might start thinking the same things about you. And it could be a boy too, you know, some boy who was kind of rough and crazy. You don't want to lose your reputation. You want to keep it shiny. Don't be mistaken here. This woman viewed the world exactly the same as Simon. She lived under the shine too. She just wasn't as successful at it as Simon was. She couldn't keep up those appearances. In fact, she had failed miserably at it at looking and behaving the way that she was supposed to. But why? Was it because she was actually more morally bankrupt than Simon was? You know, didn't she know that she was supposed to be a good girl and to behave, that prostitution's bad? The hard truth is that it is most often our circumstances that actually determine the way we turn out in this life, you know? Simon was probably born in a very different <clears throat> situation from her. He clearly had more opportunities than her. He was given a great education. He was trained as a Pharisee, which is something that you get chosen for when you were quite young. You get to sit under a rabbi's teaching, and you get raised up under that. He had people that were invested in his success, and she clearly didn't. And we know this is true because no little girl ever, anywhere, ever, 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 says, I want to be a prostitute when I grow up. It's never happened. No little girl has ever said, I want to sell my body to make my livelihood. It's never said, it never has been said. And no, no little boy, for that matter, too. And yet, girls and boys end up in this life everywhere all the time. It's because of the pain that they have suffered in this shiny world of ours. 
All of us who have been given more to start out with, like Simon, uh, most of us have, I'm sure, we usually like to chalk it up to bad choices. You know, we say things like, oh, if this woman had just made better choices, then she wouldn't have ended up there. Can you hear it? Can you hear how the shine is poisoning the well and ruining our minds? We judge people like her because they are not succeeding at keeping up with the rest of us, right? They're not keeping up with the shine. They're failing at this game that we are all playing. Our solution is to try to help them too. This is what we often do. We think if we just give them, let's give them more money. Let's give them uh, more education. Let's give them more opportunity. Then they'll be able to join us, the rest of us shiny, happy people holding hands. Thank you, REM. You know, we're so addicted to the shine and blinded by it that we don't see the hold that it has on us. Jesus does. That's why he came. He came to blow this all up. Down with the shine. He blows it up by hanging everything on forgiveness. She who is forgiven much loves much. He who is forgiven little loves little. Jesus exposes Simon and he exposes all of us. And he says, this has to end. This thing is keeping you stuck. The very thing that you think is saving you is actually trapping you. You're in bondage. The shine has blinded you to the truth. It has you worshiping another God at another altar. Just look at the fruit. We're gonna look at the fruit of these two lives. Jesus points it out very explicitly to Simon. He first does it with a parable, and he gets Simon to admit the power of forgiveness in the parable. And then he points out Simon's blindness by asking a very simple question. He says, do you see this woman? And Chris preached on this a couple weeks ago where he talked about how we are often unable to see the people right in front of us. We're often unable to see what's going on in their lives. And Jesus, though, sees all of it. He sees all of us. He knows all of us, and he comes right after us. Jesus saw this woman completely. He knew her story inside and out, and he loved her without reservation. Jesus also knew Simon's story inside and out. He knew all the things that were hiding behind the shiny exterior, and he loved him too without reservation. The irony here is that Simon is the one who needed a little extra help, more help than the woman. Jesus knew what was going on through Simon's mind when uh, the woman is washing his feet with her tears. He knew Simon didn't see her at all. Luke tells us Simon, who had invited Jesus, saw this, and he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is that is touching him, for she is a sinner. That's his summation of her. In the world of the shine, in Simon's world, in the world that we live in, she was defined by the external. She's a prostitute. She is a sinner. She's a failure at being good like the rest of us. That's it. And so Jesus then turns this woman of the city, this notorious sinner, into Simon's teacher. 
This teacher of the law, the Pharisee, gets schooled by a prostitute in this passage. Jesus says, I entered your house, Simon, and you didn't give me any water for my feet, which was a customary thing to do for your honored guests. You let them wash the dirt off their feet as they were uh, traveling, most likely by foot. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, also a customary greeting uh, for someone who is a guest of honor in your house. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet, Jesus says. And the fact that she kisses his feet highlights that she did not think of herself as worthy. She didn't see herself as equal to Jesus. She saw herself as his servant. She was humbled. And Jesus goes on, you did not anoint my head with oil. Again, an honoring custom for your guests. But she has anointed my feet with expensive perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Jesus goes right to the heart because that's what he always does. He knows that we have it all completely backwards, that the external we think is so important, it doesn't matter. It does not run the ship. Your heart does. Your external actions are determined by your internal state. The external is always and only a fruit of what is going on in your heart. The founder of our Anglican Communion, Thomas Cranmer, he said it best. He said, what the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. What the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. Your heart is running the ship, and the proof is in the pudding, okay? What's the fruit of Simon's life? This life spent succeeding under the shine, being good, doing the right thing, keeping up that good reputation. It's two things. It's judgment and blindness. Judgment and blindness. Judgment and blindness about himself, judgment and blindness about others, and judgment and blindness about Jesus. Let's look at it. Himself, he does not think he's a sinner. He has judged himself and he thinks, I'm doing good. I'm keeping the law. I'm a Pharisee. I'm, I'm keeping this thing shiny over here. He has judged himself wrongly and he is blind to his own sin. When it comes to the woman, he has no compassion on her, right? And instead he judges, he judges her and devalues her. And I'm, I just might add here that that makes him the same as any guy that has hired her for her services. He treats her exactly the same as any man that, that asked her to come sleep with him, paid, paid her to sleep with him, because he sees her as somebody that is valueless, easily discarded. And finally, Simon judges Jesus, and he's blind to Jesus too. He doesn't think that Jesus is a prophet. We can hear it in his summation of him internally, let alone God. He is not even close to that. He doesn't recognize Jesus for who he is. In fact, he comes to the conclusion that Jesus is just as bad as her. Remember that warning from your mom. You know, her bad reputation is gonna tarnish yours if you're with her. That's exactly what happens here to Jesus. And you know what? Jesus loves that. That's, he says that's exactly right. 
I am with her, and I am with you, Simon. I have come not just to be a friend to sinners, but I have come to be the biggest sinner of all. I have come to become sin for you. Jesus exposes Simon's blindness. He exposes his sin, and he does this in our lives too. And it's not just to make him feel bad. It's actually way worse, all right? Uh, Jesus exposes Simon here, and we heard it in our Galatians passage. It's because he wants to kill him. And you all say, what? That sounds really bad. Jesus loves Simon so much, and he loves you so much, that he's willing to kill him to get him. What do I mean by that? He wants to kill the sinner in him, the sinner that is addicted to the shine. Paul says it, I don't live anymore. Christ lives in me. I've been crucified. That's what is required. The sinner must be put to death. The sinner in each one of us. The sinner that's worshiping success, that's worshiping external goodness, that's worshiping at the altar of reputation and self. That's what all this is. It's self-righteousness. That's why Martin Luther said, it's not your sins that will condemn you on judgment day, it's your good works. Because your good works are your God when you think that the external is all that matters. They are the thing that you are putting your faith and your hope in, and they cannot save you. Paul said it in Galatians, our Galatians passage. He said, no one will be justified by their works. No one will be made righteous. That has to die if you are ever gonna recognize Jesus for who he really is. And so that's what Jesus is doing in this passage. He's putting that to death in Simon. And the amazing thing is, this woman is already there. She does recognize Jesus because she knows she has failed. She knows her life did not turn out the way that she hoped it would. She knows she has not lived up to the shine. In fact, she has been crushed by it. She has been used and abused and spit out by it. So when she hears about Jesus, when she hears about this guy that throws his lot in with sinners like her, that willingly and lovingly and happily sullies his own reputation with tax collectors, with the sick and the diseased, with prostitutes, when she hears that promise of grace, from this man, Jesus. She's undone. Something new springs to life in her. Something that she hasn't felt probably since she was a little girl, when she was dreaming about a life of love and joy and fulfillment. Not this beaten up life that she now knows. She feels hope again. Faith has come to life in her through this promise of grace that Jesus brings. And she doesn't care who sees her. She doesn't care what they think about her. She already knows all of it. She's probably heard it a hundred times. And she goes right to where Jesus is, right into a Pharisee's house, where she's guaranteed to experience the judgment that she knows. And she goes right in and worships Jesus as her Savior and her God. There is nothing more sanctified, nothing more holy or good than this moment right here. It was her knowing her sin 
knowing exactly who she is under the unrelenting, perfect shine that led to this beautiful fruit of Jesus being worshiped and glorified. She understood Jesus completely and needed exactly what he came to give, forgiveness. And don't you love it that Jesus enjoys confirming what she was hoping for? He loves it. He loves to forgive her. He speaks the words over her, and he seals the deal. He doesn't pull any punches. He knows her many sins. He says it. And he says they are all forgiven. And in doing that, he drives home the truth for Simon, for the others there watching, and for you and me, that we all need the same exact forgiveness. This is what he is all about. We are all in the same boat as her. So I want you to hear it today. No matter where you are right now living under the shine in this world obsessed with the external, I want you to hear that Jesus is the end of the game. He is the end of that game. Down with the shine. Down with the shine. I know you've got some areas in your life where you think you're succeeding. I know this because I have those areas where I think I'm strutting my stuff. You know, where you, th- you, you show it for the rest of the world to see because this is where you think you're attractive, where people will desire you. So I know you've got those places. You're keeping up the appearance. But you also have the places in your life where you are not succeeding, where you are not keeping it shiny, where you are failing just like her. Those are often the places that we keep hidden, right? That we keep secret, We don't want anybody else to see them. We like to keep them in the dark, and we don't want to see them ourselves. We prefer blindness in those places. But I want you to hear today that Jesus Christ sees all of it. He knows all of it, and he forgives you. He forgives you. He knows your many sins, and he forgives them all. It's what he came to do, and it's what he has done for you in the cross. He has taken your sin from you. I want you to enjoy that awesome news today. And I want you to come to him with me in peace. He gives us peace. I want you to come with me to worship him today. Let's worship him for who he really is. Let us come and fall at the feet of our great Savior and our God, and let's love him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the God who forgives sinners. You are the one who came into our world and took our sin upon yourself so that we might be set free. Lord, I thank you that the awesome news is those who are forgiven much are, end up loving much. And Lord, I pray that you would drive that home into our hearts and our minds today, that you would put the shine to death And Lord, that we would be honest and open and share our brokenness, Lord, and receive your forgiveness and watch this new life spring to life, that we would come and love you for your awesome grace. We ask, Lord, that you would make us messengers of that good news to this world, this world that is struggling, this world that is trying to keep up appearances. I pray that you would make us the ambassadors of that awesome grace. And I ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.